slightly frog. This story happened when I was thirteen years old. It was a hot summer's afternoon, and my buddy and I were bored and looking for something to do. For the purpose of this story, I referred to my friend as Hank. Hank's older brother heard us talking about how bored we were, and suggested we should go down to the river bottoms and check out the area where the devil worshippers hang out, just to creep ourselves out. I had heard my older brother talk about some blood cult or devil worshippers hanging about the river bottoms as well. So when Hank's older brother mentioned to us, my interest was piqued. During being young and stupid, Hank and I were always interested in things that were scary, especially of old local gossip. So we decided to go. It, it, it also helped to ease our fears, knowing we were still light outside and should remain light for a few more hours before, because it was summertime, according to Hank's older brother. The devil worshippers only come out at night, so we should be safe, I told Hank. At the time, the town that I lived in was small, and the river bottoms only had a few isolated homes that were separated by several acres of farmland, so there really wasn't a lot down there, and my expectations of finding anything interesting below, as Hank and I made our way down the road and led to the hill, nicknamed Devil's Curb, we talked lightly about the things that our older brother had said about the devil worshippers. We both believed about a bunch that a bunch of widows probably went and did drugs and some other stupid stuff, but neither of us thought that animal human sacrifice was some of the events that occurred down there. Our plan was to walk down Devil's Curb, investigate a few areas in their riverbeds bottoms, and then return home before it got dark. However, we were not prepared for the things that we would see. As we approached Devil's Curb, I noticed a foul stench in the air. I smelled like something, it smelled like something rotting. It kind of reminded me of the smell of a dead deer. When I, could, when I would go deer hunting, it wasn't improbably, it was incredibly, wasn't incredibly potent. It was common for a beer to come out, down from nearby mountains and come well kill. So the smell of a dead deer did not seem too out of place. For the sake of the story, it's important that I give you a brief physical layout description of Devil's Curb. It's a path road with a switch back hill where if that if you start on the top you'll find yourself going down in a southern direction, then tightly turning up in a westward direction. Then after travelling about thirty feet you will make another tight turn that faces you in a southwesterly direction. You'll go on another fifty feet until you are in the river bottoms. Now that I have, that you have that imaginary, I will continue. Hank and I have found the source of the smell, which indeed was a dead deer, laying off the side of the road before the first witchback, and turns you toward the west. Again, this would normally not be any, any concern. However, the deer had a thick rope around his neck. He had been gutted. His legs were missing. At first, I thought it was some unethical hunters and may have been it may have been but then Hank and I noticed all the other dead animals around the area a dead raccoon several dead squirrels a few dead cats and what looked like the rotting corpse of a very large dog that one upset me the most there were things that were out of place things such as the old record player 
a blood-stained pulpit, several knives and hatchets, a few pistols and mortars and pistols and mortars lying around. This should have been enough warning to us to go back. But again, we were young and stupid, so we didn't. Instead, we kept our plan, to our plan, and continued down Devil's Clove, curb to the west. As we descended, the hair on the back of my neck was standing up. I was anxious to know what else we could find. Before the room switched back to the southern west direction and led to the river bottoms, Hank and I again walked off the road into a small secluded section. It overtook most of the farmland in the river bottoms of the east, south and west of us. There was a twenty-foot ascending cliff to our backs that rose up some revelation before you began walking down Devil's Cove. Again, there was a serious stench in the air among both of us of rotting flesh. However, this point, the smell was something overwhelming and made both of us nauseous to the point that we were coming dizzy or normally vomiting. However, what caused us most, the most horror was what was lying on our feet. There were several tarps rolled up, hot dog style, with something rolled up inside them. It was doubtly the source of smell was coming from. After discovering the tarps, Hanks and I, we immediately looked at each other. Hanks' face was pale. I saw absolute terror on his face. I began to feel like someone was watching us. When I told Hank this, he started nodding his head frankly, and I loudly whispered, I know I felt it too. Before neither of us discussed this matter any more, or even thought about doing something the same, like opening up the tarps, appear inside, I then sprinted back to Devil's Curb, where Hank, he following closely at my heels. Once we reached the top of the hill, I came dashing in the direction of home. I found Hank screaming after me, telling me to stop, so I slowed down, but I was afraid to turn around and see what was the matter. That when Hank grabbed my shoulder and forced me to turn around, Look out there, Hank shield, pointing next to the top of Devil's Curb. When I looked in the direction, I saw that Hank was pointing at, standing about a foot field, full field length away from us was a woman in a white wedding dress, staring blank directly at us. Again, there were no houses anywhere nearby, no cars, no streets, other than the one that Hank and I were standing on. To know its foundation to why a woman would be standing in the middle of nowhere, wearing a wedding dress alone. However, the worst part was she standing and looking over the twenty-foot cliff, exactly where Hank and I were when we saw the tarts. I knew at that moment that she'd been watching us. But how, for how long, and why, and what was she doing? Why was she there? We were close enough to see we, that we, her that we could see that her stare was fixed on us, but we were too far away to determine any facial features, or if she was smiling or glaring. We stopped running and continued to walk back home, suspiciously looking over our shoulders every few seconds to see if she was still there. She was. She was staring at us until we were out of view. The noise and dizziness and Hank I felt gradually went away until we returned to his house. We both agreed not to tell our parents for fear of getting in trouble. At night I strength of going to Devil's Curve and looking round the area. I just couldn't see to get out of, out of my head. It was a little bit past 3am when I awakened by something. 
It wasn't noise. I just felt like someone was close by. I always felt that being a light sleeper. When I looked down at my foot of my bed, I saw the lady in the white wedding dress. She was hovering or levitating, and once again staring directly at me. My blinds were open, so the full moon shone on my home, lighting up up enough to me to see her, except I couldn't see her face. I could only tell that she was glaring or scowling at me. I couldn't make... I wasn't quite sure. Maybe she was mad that I, I had been at Devil's Curb and found something that we I shouldn't have. Maybe she just hated punk teenage boys. Or maybe I have no idea. All I know is that she levitated the foot of my bed. I couldn't move. The fear was so powerful. I thought that I, was about to pass, I would pass out or die. I decided to close my eyes. So I would need to throw the sheets over my... How I was able to throw the sheets over my head. I was hoping that I would fall asleep and she would leave me alone. But all I could feel a vision was her staring at me, peeping down into my soul with menacing, hateful expression. I felt like an eternity, but eventually daylight crept in through my window as the sun began to rise just a little before 6am. I slowly pulled the sheets away from over my head, half expecting her to still be there, but she wasn't. As I looked around, there was no one in my room. I never saw the lady in a white dress again. I hope I never do. I have told a few people about this experience, and nobody can give me a good explanation to why she would be staying wherever where she was, alone in a white wedding dress. I don't I don't know if she had any sinister intentions, but I'm glad that nothing bad happened to Hank or me. I also don't know if it was just a bad dream when I saw her levitating at the foot of my bed, or if it really happened. Even when you have learned it's best, you stay away from things that are evil, even if you're young and stupid.